Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Monday, Monday of the 27th week in Ordinary Time, first Monday of October as well. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Now, did you see the news within the last couple of weeks that the comic strip Dilbert, it's been eliminated from almost 80 papers, 77 to be exact. It's just one of many comic strips that no longer is running in newspapers. And I saw a news story about this that the St. Louis Dispatch They've cut down the number of comics that they run in their paper from 34 different comic strips now to only carrying 10. And it makes me a little sad to see that this is no longer a central part of newspapers. I think for most people around my age or older, the comic page, that was the best part of the newspaper when you were young, when you were a kid, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, somewhere in that range. That's the part you would always go for. But my favorites, probably The Far Side and Calvin and Hobbes, especially when I was uh, even beyond that age. They were just my favorites, the most entertaining to me. But I I would read them all, uh, especially as a kid. Garfield, Beetle Bailey, Blondie, BC, The Family Circus, all, all of the rest. But maybe the one that was more of a staple of the comics page, more than any of the other ones, At least in my mind, Charlie Brown and the Peanuts by Charles Schultz. That comic strip had originally ran for 50 years, from 1950 to the year 2000. And then, of course, there were all kinds of animated television specials. Maybe the most popular one being the Charlie Brown Christmas special. But, you know, we're in October. There was also It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Did you have a favorite character from the Peanuts? Charlie Brown, he's the main character, but there was the whole gang. There's Snoopy, his dog, the little beagle. Uh, There's Linus and Lucy, and we heard a little bit of their music there for a moment. There's Sally, that's Charlie Brown's little sister. There's Schroeder, he's the piano prodigy. Pigpen, always a mess. Peppermint Patty, Violet, Franklin, the list goes on. So who's your favorite? I always liked Linus. He was wise, he was philosophical, even though he was this little kid who was regularly sucking on his thumb and carrying around his little blue security blanket. That little blanket that he had with him. His sister Lucy, she would always give him a bad time about it. Uh, He carried it everywhere. But in the world of comics, Linus, he could take that blanket, he could transform it into all kinds of useful objects. If there were flies or insects buzzing around, he could turn it into a whip and swat them. He could turn it into a parachute and gently glide down to the ground if needed. He could turn it into a hammock. 
It could be made into a kite, all these different things. But Linus, he recognized his dependency on that blanket. Because at different times throughout the run of the Peanuts, he would try and get rid of it. Uh, he, he would try and ask somebody maybe to hold on to it, not give it back to him. But this would usually lead him to start panicking, usually very severely. His anxiety would force him to grab a hold of his blue blanket once again. If he was without his blanket too long, he would become dizzy, lightheaded. Eventually, he might pass out. And even though this idea of needing a security blanket to the point of fainting when Linus was deprived of it, even though that is used for comedic effect in the comic strip, there is an underlying reality here for all of us in one way or another. Because almost all of us, we have something that we don't want to let go of in our own lives. We think we need it. We think we can't live without it. What is that for you? What is your metaphorical security blanket? What is that thing that if you had to go without it, you'd have a little bit of panic or anxiety that would start to well up, start to hit you? Now, it might also be the case that we have certain attachments Yet we don't even realize that we're so attached or so dependent upon whatever it might be in our life. Well, this is what we want to discuss today on The Inner Life, recognizing those attachments that we have in our lives, especially the things that are holding us back from making progress in our spiritual journey. How can we let go of these attachments so that we're not attached to anything else except to Christ? That's what we hope to answer today here on The Inner Life. And joining us is our spiritual director. I'm very glad to welcome back to the program, Father Joseph Ilo. Father Ilo is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. Father Ilo, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. Always great to be with you and your audience. Well, so detachment, that's the word of the day, but that word detachment, it implies that there is some sort of attachment that has to be, you know, we have to uncouple, we have to detach. So maybe as we start our conversation this morning, Father, looking, uh, you know, we can, we can look at attachments like Linus's security blanket, especially looking at this from a spiritual perspective, how should we understand what an attachment is? That's so key to the spiritual life, because guess what? We begin life attached to our mother through the umbilical cord and coming into the world, realizing our own identity and vocation means detaching from mama. And it's painful. It's painful for the baby. It's painful for the mother. But it's necessary to grow up to to detach. And then, of course, physically umbilical cord. But then the emotional and spiritual detachments that have to take place as they grow up, you know, cutting the aprons string, so to speak, from our mother and our father. And it's a, it's a difficult process. I mean, the whole uh, experience of adolescence is really a detachment. And if it goes well, then it's not rebellion that happens in adolescence, but a reattachment, detachment from the things of childhood and attaching to the mature spiritual life of a disciple. Uh, 
So some of our attachments, you say, what is attachments? Maybe we should look at what detachment means. Detachment doesn't mean in this spiritual sense we're talking today, it doesn't mean apathy or isolation or aloofness, boredom. What detachment means is trust in God, to surrender to God's will, to abandon ourselves to divine providence to trust that God will provide. Essentially, detachment is trust. And in that sense, it's an attachment. Detachment from the things of this world to the things of God, to God himself. So detachment is not selfishness or self-protection that so many of us practice, like the vacant look in people's eyes, or I walk in the city streets of San Francisco, and everybody is so isolated behind masks still and sunglasses and earbuds in, and nobody says hello, or very few people do. That's a kind of a unhealthy attached detachment from reality. But spiritual detachment is really an attachment to the greatest reality, which is God and His will. So holy, holy detachment or holy indifference is really engagement, an active surrender to the will of God. And once we got that first thing, the foundation of our lives, the God who made us, once we're attached to Him and engaged with Him, we're able to engage in a proper way with all around us, people and things around us. Mm. Yeah, as you say that, that proper way that we can interact with things or with people around us. In the Catholic Church, we often talk about order and disorder. You know, there is an intended order or a properly ordered approach to pretty much everything in life. And this properly ordered approach is just following the way that God originally designed us to interact with those things or with those people. So if we don't follow that ordered design— that's where we start to encounter problems. Uh, maybe we can talk about that ordered approach to those two different areas. You know, you, you talk about things, you talk about people. First, can we talk about how we understand the role of money and wealth and possessions, the things that we have in our lives, keeping these things in their proper place, having that right ordered approach to them? That's the key, to rightly order our desires, our energies. We began as the human race in the Garden of Eden, and the Lord God gave us everything. All of the fruits and beauty of the garden were ours, but he said, do not touch this tree in the middle. And that was a principle that he gave us that of trust. Will you trust me on this one? And if we submit all of our desires to the will of God, that means we learn how to trust his way for us. And then we're able to use all the good things that he gives us in their proper way. It's very easy for the good things of this world to become an idol for us because they're good. They're beautiful. They're from God. So money is a gift from God. But if we focus on money apart from God, then it's simply uh, 
a very limited, superficial, and ultimately will fail us because money is not God. So if we use our money in, in, in the ways that God asks us, and we'll talk about tithing later on, perhaps tithing is one of those practices in the Bible that keeps us detached from idolizing money and really frees us from financial worries. So money, food, sex, um, even religion can be an idol, the practice of religion, if it's not grounded in a personal relationship with God, it, it becomes a, an idol in itself. I think the um, religious sisters, religious brothers and priests are the great models of detachment, those who live their vows well. I think of Mother Teresa, who detached, and very painfully at times, from, she even, the Lord even asked her to be detached from the religious order that she had joined, the Loretto sisters. And uh, in 1946, he said, leave, detach yourself from that religious order, which is comfortable and secure, and go out into the streets to be completely abandoned to my will at every moment. And and that was very hard for this young nun to do that. She said it was a vocation within a vocation, a detachment within a detachment. Some people are called to that radical detachment. Most of us are not. Most of us are married with families, and or I'm a diocesan priest, and I've got to pay bills. I've got to run this parish and school. And so we have to um, use money and, in a sense, own it, although nothing is ever owned absolutely. God is the owner of everything. But we need to steward those things. Yeah. However, the, the religious uh, consecration, the evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, humility, poverty, chastity, and obedience, excuse me, those three vows and the other vows that religious take are models and proofs that detachment works and it, it's possible and it can free us for extraordinary things. You know, as we're talking about this, too, first of all, let me open up the phone lines here. And if you're listening and you'd like to call in and speak with Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director, you're welcome to call us at 888-914-9149, talking about how we can detach from those things that might have a little bit of a hold on us, might have a lot of a hold on us, uh, depending on what it is. But how have you been able to let go of whatever it is that was holding you back in your relationship with Christ? Uh, was it a struggle for you? Maybe does it still have that hold on you? Maybe there's something that you know you should let go of in your life, and you're not sure how to take those initial steps. Uh, going back to what Father Ilo said, you know, to trust God that he'll provide for you. Um, if you have a question, if you're really struggling in that area, you're welcome to call and speak with Father 888-914-9149. So you're talking about so many of the things that we look at that we can have attachments to. It's because they are good things, but, you know, there's kind of that, it's going to be one of two categories, it seems, that if if there's something that is really at its core problematic you know if if i'm someone who is attached to something like pornography 
there's not going to be any situation where it's going to be good or acceptable for me to view pornography. You know, that just in and of itself is, is a problem. But then you're talking about these good things that can become kind of idols. You know, uh, if I'm overly attached to food where I have to think about it, well, I don't have to, but if I, if I am thinking about it all the time or I find myself maybe spending too much money on meals, uh, indulging that way, or maybe I'm just indulging by what I eat, you know, entering into the realm of gluttony. Well, I can't stop eating altogether. I still have mm-hmm. to have regular meals, but this is where I have to then have that ordered approach to food, you know, or, or whatever, you know, the, the object might be in our lives. Um, there are so many of these things that are good. We're not going to be able to completely eradicate them. So any advice on whether it is food, whether it is, you know, you were talking about money, um, whatever that thing might be in our lives that we are looking at saying, yeah, I, I really, th- I don't have that healthy ordered understanding and approach to that, how do we take maybe that first step to say, I, I want to let go of the, the hold I have on it, and I do want to start entering into that trust that you're talking about, Father, that trust that we should have in Jesus so that we can have a proper approach to those things, and, and they no longer are that attachment. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for making that distinction, Josh, that there's two types of detachment. The first is what's called a purgative level detachment, detachment from sin. We have to purge that which is intrinsically sinful or disordered, such as pornography or um, abusive substances, uh, uncharitable acts, things like that. Okay, so we have to and, and we all of us have to work on that all of our lives. We're never going to be free of the tendency to disordered acts, of, of sinful acts. But the second kind of detachment, which leads to perfection, is to detach even from those things which are good. And in my life today, here at my desk and throughout my day, there's a there's hundred things that are good that I have to do. I have to eat. I have to sleep. I have to look at my computer. I have to talk to people. I have to offer Mass, which I already did this morning, but um, all of those things can become idols in themselves. And so I have to regulate my use of them or intake of them. So let's talk food. Food's a big deal in this country because we have unlimited amounts of food. Well, food, I remember on a retreat one time i was at a monastery for five days and and all i could think about was the cookies and the um, crackers down in the the food room uh because you had these talks at the retreat and then you had these big gaps of just empty time where you're supposed to pray or take a walk or read the bible and guess what i was thinking about those cookies down there and so Food can become a real uh, difficult thing for, for all of us, especially if we don't have anything else to think about. We have a lot of like leisure time in our lives. So how do we regulate food? Well, food, like any good thing that God gives us, is a relative good. It's not an absolute good. And so with all relative goods, we take them in moderation. That means the old 
adage of leaving the table a little hungry, not stuffing ourselves, and having times in the year of fasting where you don't eat between meals and you give up a meal to free yourself from that tyranny of food, the tyranny of any attachment. So if we don't regularly fast, and, and the church gives us really only two days in the year when we're we have to fast, that is Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, but every Friday should be a day of fasting. Every seven days, we should be in the habit of denying ourselves some food, not because food is bad, but to keep the tyranny of that attachment at a distance from us, to prove that with God's help, we need nothing but fresh air and the love of God to be happy. Talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life. Again, taking your phone calls as we talk about those attachments that we have in our lives, how we detach from those. What are you holding on to in your life? Are you struggling to let go of something that has that hold on you? Maybe that's something you've gone through in your past, struggling to let go of something. How has letting go of those attachments helped you to grow in your relationship with Christ? 888-914-9149, our email address, relevantradio.com, and our conversation continues in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank James, who's listening in Arizona, for donating his Kawasaki Join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car today. Thanks for joining us here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today I'm talking with Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco and inviting you to call in as today we talk about how we detach from those things that are holding on to us, holding us back from growing in our relationship with Jesus. And what is it in your life that maybe you're struggling to let go of? That attachment that you have, you're looking for some advice, some insight, on maybe some first steps, or maybe you've been trying for a while and it doesn't seem to be getting any uh, easier. You're not making much progress and you'd like to talk with Father Ilo. Maybe you have let go of that attachment. We'd love to hear your story and how you can encourage others as they are going through maybe the same process you went through in your past. Our phone number here to the studio, 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father Ilo, right before the break, you were talking about that with so many things, there is a relative good, and it's a matter of, you know, that we don't allow that, whatever it is, you, you were using food as that example, it doesn't exercise control over us. We're the ones who exercise the control over that relative good object that we have access to. Um, As we talk about that, are there ever any good or healthy attachments? You know, and this might be more of a matter of maybe we use a different word when we talk about this, but any good or healthy attachments that we can have outside of, of course, our relationship with God, that trust that you're talking about there, are there any of the, the relative good things that we can have a healthy attachment to? 
Excellent point, Josh, because, yes, God gives us good things, and in a relative way, we should be attached or devoted to them, Uh, always realizing, of course, that anything in this world needs to be detached from the moment it becomes an obstacle to God. But in a healthy situation, like a healthy family or a healthy workplace, a healthy life, there are healthy attachments. That is, for example, uh, obviously family. I'm attached or devoted to my parents, to my children. And that's that's the fourth commandment of the Decalogue. Honor your father and your mother, that you may have a long life in the land that God has given you. So both attachment to mother and father and attachment to the land, that is the the gift of patriotism. We should have a healthy attachment to the country in which we were born. Um, A healthy attachment to friendships. God came to earth, God the Son in human flesh, and, and made 12 friends, 12 apostles, and he spent three years with them. There was a a strong bond, an attachment between these men and between the Lord and these men, and he wanted that. But always remembering that any time an attachment or devotion to a, a created or relative good becomes an obstacle to the will of God, then it must be dispensed. For example, if my attachment to my parents means I am... Uh, falling into sin, or my my parents might ask me to do something sinful, and for, you know, if you love me, if you honor me, you'll do this. We have to say, well, God first. And so, I love you, Mom, I love you, Dad, I love you, my children, but I cannot do what you ask because it uh, contradicts the law of God. So those are healthy attachments. And, and again, everything relative to the one supreme attachment of God's will. You talk about, you know, when something becomes an obstacle to our relationship with God. And I'm thinking a lot of times this can be very subtle, you know, especially when we're talking mm-hmm. about Satan or one of his demons that is having an influence in our lives. There's going to be very, very subtle ways that we might not recognize initially that we are starting to have that improper attachment to that relative good object or relationship. How do we know? What are ways that we can maybe be on the guard to see that, oh, we might be crossing a line, as subtle as it could be, that this is going from that rightly ordered approach to something in our lives to, yeah, we're, we're getting a little bit out of that ordered sense. Things are getting a little bit, uh, you know, tilted one way that it shouldn't in that. And, and it becomes that, that unhealthy attachment. Mm-hmm. Well, a little alarm bells start to ring pangs of conscience when we are edging into disordered behavior. For example, I'm, attached to my priest friends, and that's a good thing, priestly fraternity. If it weren't for my priest support group and just the friends I have as priests, I'm sure I would not be a priest 31 years 
after ordination today. But there are times when, number one, we gossip or we edge into gossip or complaining to each other. We're, you know, we, we're very comfortable with each other. And the little alarm bells go off. Well, we shouldn't be talking about that person or that other priest. Or, But so then we need to say, whoa, 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 you know, let's, you know, let's back off of this. The other problem with uh, disordered, when a, when a healthy attachment can become disordered is when you're spending too much time or money or energy on, on one thing to the detriment of another. So we priests love to get together on a day off, we go on vacation together, but there, uh, how, the question is how much time do I, am I putting towards uh, being on vacation with my friends even good, healthy, you know, we pray together, we, we uh, talk theology, we laugh, we joke, we eat good meals together, but uh, is it too much? That is, am I spending too much time hanging out with my friends, even very healthy friendships, and not getting my work done, not a, a t- attending to the real needs of my parish or whatever my assignment is? And so sometimes we have to say, uh, I can't go with you guys because I've got this thing I've, I've got to do in my parish or in the diocese. So those two things, if if we find ourselves edging into sin, and most commonly with friends it's gossip, or uh, just disproportionate amount of time and energy on a relative good, then we need to correct that, correct that course. As you're saying this too, I think it's important to maybe talk about the fact that if you have a good friendship, you know, that could be with a spouse, that could be in your case with, you know, uh, your peers, even coworkers, but you're helping to hold each other accountable. And I think that that's an important aspect of this too. You know, there will be some things in our lives where we're going to see it and it's going to be more of us individually uh, working through that, but having somebody else to hold us accountable and them also relying in that relationship that we hold them accountable is is truly important. It is, and that's why common prayer, we priests do our rosary together, we pray to have Mass, of course, on, on a day off for vacation, but um, lay people as well to to pray together. If you're on vacation with good friends, and they're Catholic, make sure you go to Sunday Mass. Say the rosary, if you can, together from time to time, every day, if you can. It's that prayer that reorients us, because we're constantly drifting off course. We have to constantly be recalibrating our focus on the one supreme good, which is God and heaven. And prayer does that for us. So if we're praying together regularly in our friendships, then we'll never really veer too far off. I would say the priests who have left the the priesthood, all of them stopped praying at some point. Just they stopped praying the breviary. They stopped going, you know, having mass every day. And and that was the beginning of the end of their vocation. No matter how many priest friends they had, if they weren't rooted in love of God through prayer, then it leads off the track eventually. Mm. 
Uh, we're talking about both things and relationships, you know, possessions, wealth, as well as the relationships that we have. One of the, the things that we wanted to look at, Father, is this scene, uh, and I'm looking at the Gospel of Mark here, chapter 10, this scene where a wealthy man comes up to Jesus. He asks what he must do to inherit eternal life. And we get some insight from our Lord here on uh, the attachments we can have. Jesus initially, when this man approaches him, initially tells him, well, you need to follow all of the commandments. The man responds, I've done this my entire life. And then Jesus, he says, you lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And it's when Jesus says this that the man, it says he goes away sad. Uh, depending on the translation, some say his countenance falls or you know something like this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to give up his wealth. He goes away sad. When we look at this scene, what initially stands out to you in this encounter? And, and how can we look at this and what Jesus is saying here, uh, speaking to us today through his words to this wealthy man? Thank you for bringing that passage up. It's such an important passage. It's in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Mark 10, Luke 18, Matthew 19. So you know that when something is in all three Gospels, it's worth reading <laughs> again and again. And right. <laughs> pay attention. I, I think um, this is everybody's homework that's listening today is to go back and read Mark 10. Uh, it's got two parts of the chapter, but this begins on verse 17. And just some of the background here. So the, this man was setting out on a journey, and meaning our, our journey has um, an endpoint, a destination. And that's if we, if we keep our compass focused on that destination, we'll get to heaven. But this man had been distracted by his wealth. He knows that. So he comes to Jesus and says, how do I get? to my destination, that is eternal life. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? There is no good, no one is good but God alone. And that's that's focusing his attention on the supreme good. All of these other goods you have, the money, the things money can buy, the friends you have, they're good, but not good good Mm. they're not the supreme good no one is good but god alone and all goods come from god and are going back to god and then he's uh, jesus says follow the commandments the man says i followed them from my youth uh and since he was a little boy in rabbinical school and jesus says one more thing i want you to give up everything i want you to be a franciscan or a missionary of charity Most people are not called to this, but this is your vocation. And the young man went away sad. And you're right, the different translations, the one I have, the RSV, says that his countenance fell and he went away sorrowful. His face kind of fell to the sidewalk and he went away very sorrowful because he had great possessions. So here's the point. Some people are called on their pilgrimage to heaven to give up everything. Most of us are called to give some away, and that's called tithing. It's it's a very important precept of the Church of the Old and New Testaments, which most Catholics don't take very seriously. It's a principle of stewardship. 
tithing 10% or whatever, you know, a, a certain amount. Some people can tithe 30%. Some people might only be able to tithe 5 or 6%. But everybody should make a sacrificial return of the blessings that God has given us. Not only money, but also time and prayer and energy and charitable service. God's given us energy, and so we give some of it back. And in tithing like that, we are free. It keeps, it's, it's a habit to detach us from relative goods, to put the relative goods in their proper perspective. Uh, one of the things uh, our, our parish does is there's about 10 people that make 300 sandwiches every Sunday after Mass, and we go down to the Tenderloin section in San Francisco. It's it's a very poor area, tent, tents everywhere, and needles, and really bad stuff down there. But And I go about every six or eight weeks. I join them, and it's so freeing. I went last Sunday, and so I tithed two hours of my Sunday afternoon, and I was so blessed. Now, the question is, why don't I do that every Sunday? But and the answer is, uh, it's a, a, tithing is a, is a proportional sacrifice. We don't sacrifice everything. Some people are called to that, like this young man, but most of us who live in the world uh, can't give everything or most of what we have, but to give a part of our time, a part of our money, a part of our energy keeps us free and gives us the joy of freedom. So so I, I think that the lesson for this is if you tithe, you'll be happy. If you keep everything to yourself and never share anything, you will be sad. Hmm. As easy as that. <laughs> Father <Yeah>. Ilo <laughs> is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life. And again, talking about letting go of those things that have a hold on us, those attachments in our life. And maybe you're struggling with something that has a hold on you. You'd like to speak with Father Ilo. Our phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, let's talk maybe a little bit more of what, uh, of what Jesus says after this encounter with the man. When the man walks away, uh, we need to take a short break, but we'll talk about that next coming up here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo. He is the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco, talking about letting go of those attachments, how we can detach from those things that have a hold on us, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, picking up on where we kind of left off right before the break, we'd seen that that place in the Gospel of Mark where there's this wealthy man, he comes before Jesus, and Jesus asks him to sell everything he has, give the proceeds to the poor, and to come and follow him. The man goes away sad, and it says, because he had many possessions. 
And uh, last Friday, Father Dave Heaney, another one of our regular spiritual directors that joins us regularly here on The Inner Life, he was on the show. It was the Feast of St. Jerome, and we were talking about falling in love with Scripture. And I had asked Father Dave about some of his favorite passages from the Bible. He mentioned specifically this section from Mark's Gospel, and he went on to explain that there is this tradition that this wealthy man may possibly have been the Gospel writer, Mark himself, that he included his own initial encounter Mm -hmm. with Jesus in the Gospel narrative. We don't know if that's truly the case, but if it is, you know, another thing that comes to mind here is even... If at first, when Jesus asks us to let go of whatever it is, those things that we are attached to the most in our lives, if we're struggling, if we can't let go of whatever it is at that very moment, that Jesus is patient with us. You know, if we're really seeking him, if Mm -hmm. if we're really wanting to reach out to him, he'll keep working with us, keep calling us, keep leading us until we can let go of that attachment. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a beautiful uh, tradition that Father Heaney mentioned, that there's um, the possibility that Mark was that man because the young man went away, but we don't know what happened to him after that in the Bible. It doesn't tell us. But we hope that he came back to Jesus at some point. Now, what Jesus says right after these very startling words, because for the disciples— Jewish people at the time considered prosperity and wealth as a blessing and a sign of favor from God that you just don't give away. And he's saying, no, no, give away these blessings, let go of them. And um, he says, how hard it will be for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He says it twice how hard it is. And he says, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And so he's saying, this is going to be hard for you people. It's not for the faint of heart. And you don't get it right away. It takes persistent application of our spiritual and psychological energies to break our trust, our absolute trust in riches, and re- uh, find trust in God's providence. And and so it be, has to become a habit. That's why I say tithing is a spiritual habit, or a religious practice. It's a habit that gradually detaches us from trust in money and helps us to trust in the one thing that will never disappoint us. So maybe Mark didn't get it the first time, or whoever that young man was, but we hope and pray that all of us who say no to God now will learn how to say yes to God in the future. Yeah. You know, you've talked about tithing, but one word that you've mentioned at least once or twice, Father, is that word stewardship. And I think mm-hmm. that is so key. You know, if if I look at everything that I have and I say it's my money, my possessions, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if I can take that and really approach it from that stewardship mindset. You know, my house, my mm-hmm. car, my money, anything that I, if this is all really not mine, but God is trusting me with these resources, if he is mm-hmm. giving me these to use, then I start having a completely different attitude about the wealth. You know, I start to see that 
well, it's not me that's wealthy. It's God who's wealthy. He's just allowing me to use some of his wealth. And it also means that I'm probably going to be far more responsible with the resources with which God has blessed me. I'm going to want to use everything in a way that is pleasing to him. And there's less of a selfish disposition and attitude in the way that I will spend my money or use my resources. Yes, the spirituality of stewardship works on several levels, but two of them, one level is psychological. That is, if you can share some of your wealth, your time, talent, treasure, then a lot, the, the pressure is taken off of you to make or not make this thing work. If, if I'm the absolute owner of my money and I lose half of it when the stock market drops, then I commit suicide. I feel depressed. But if it's if I realize it's not mine anyway, I'm I'm the administrator, but not the owner of this money, then um, I'm not really bothered whether I'm rich or poor. That's the psychological level of stewardship. But also on a spiritual level, God blesses those who trust him. I started tithing my money as a priest about six or seven years into the priesthood. I attended a little gathering of another pastor in a neighboring parish who had uh, a couple of people talking about stewardship. They were lay people, a married couple. And I had always said as a priest, well, you know, I gave my whole life to God. Uh, I'm not going to tithe any of my, you know, I, uh, money. The, the, we get a salary. And then I realized it's, it's not because we the church needs our money. It's because we need to give. Yeah, and so right. I started giving. And, uh, you know, a tenth or or uh, really priests can give a lot, 20, 30 percent, not even feel it very much because we have all this discretionary money. But um, I've never worried about money since then. And mm. I, I just bought a new car for the first time in my life. I owed $10,000. I borrowed it from a friend. I didn't know how I was going to pay it back. And um, these things happened in the next uh, month or two after I started tithing where just money came to me that somebody paid me back a loan and et cetera. And I was able to pay off that car in a month. And that's the spiritual thing. If you trust me with a little bit, if you give me just a tenth, I'll give you 90% back. Yeah. I will provide for your life. That's the detachment from uh, slavery to money, from trust in money that, that Jesus is talking about, that is practically realized when we exercise stewardship. We learn the spirituality of stewardship. Yeah. That can be scary at the beginning, but God will prove himself Very in scary. that. Very yeah. scary, uh, Father, let's go to the phones. Barbara is listening in Northern California. Hi, Barbara. You're on the air with Father Ilo. Thank you so much, and thank you, Father Ilo. I, I really love when you're on the show. Um, can you address the uh, unhealthy friendships and what to do when they end? I have a friend, a very good old friend, who basically just ghosted me. She hasn't talked to me for months. She ignored my birthday. I don't know why, but I think it has to do with difference of opinion about the jabs. I'll just leave it that mm. part out. But um, it's very, very painful for me, this kind of rejection. And I know that God can destroy things to save his people and protect us. But it is very painful, that kind of rejection. And I'm wondering if you can offer some um, help. Well, you're right. Thank you, Barbara, for a real-life situation, as you describe it. I think friendships are the... Detaching from friendships is the hardest thing. We were made to love and to be loved, as Mother Teresa said, and to give up that love 
at least temporarily or a relative love is just, it's painful. So one of the things is to offer this pain to God. We, we are called to do penance, and this is the penance that God has given us, that this friend is no longer my friend. And it, it doesn't go away. It diminishes perhaps with time, but it's always there, and it's something we can offer to God. But the second thing is we uh, become free to the this degree that we are able to let go of these things, even friendships, because in the end, the only friendship we really need to be happy is, is God's friendship. And so by thinking less about the friend, earthly friendships, even though it's not a good thing in itself, it, it's permitted by God so that we can focus more on God. So what do you do when somebody rejects you? You go to the chapel and pray. You spend time with Jesus. You read the Bible. You pray the rosary. And you're, you're, maybe that was God is permitting this uh, defect in friendship so that you'll draw closer to him. I mean, really, he certainly is doing that. That's, that's how the Lord works. When, when he deprives us of something, it's so that we can find him in a deeper way. Mm. Barbara, thanks for the call. Uh, Father, only have about a minute, minute and a half here left in the hour, but any suggestions on if you have somebody that you love, somebody that you see in your family or a close friend, and they have an attachment, and is there anything you can do to maybe help and assist them as they're trying to let go of that attachment? That's an art and a science to, to be an accountability partner or to help someone you love get past an addiction even or an attachment. Uh, the, uh, an attachment, an addiction I think is just an attachment taken to the nth degree where it's debilitating and controlling. So the first thing to help other people is to speak the truth in love, to say, uh, I think you drank too much last night and I like wine too, but it's, you know, just to say, to say it, not to ignore it, but always to do that from a position of weakness. Like, well, I, you know, I have my weaknesses too. And um, people often fast before they approach this with people they love to this difficult discussion. They pray. And then the second thing is after speaking the truth to offer sacrifices for that person. Mm -hmm. So like Barbara says, you know, this, this hurts, but this person has left me, my friendship. I offer this for my uncle, who has a problem with alcohol, yeah. or my son, who has a problem with porn or something. So we can offer those in atonement. Yeah. Turn to prayer, offer those sufferings in our own lives. That's, that's beautiful. Father, uh, in our last 30 seconds, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? May the blessing of Almighty God, the source of all of our freedom and joy, bless all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Ilo, thanks so much for being on the program. We'll speak with you again here in the near future. And of course, thank you to Nick Sentovich, to Thomas Engesser, producers here behind the scenes. And thank you for listening. And if you joined us late, I always say it. Go back and find the podcast. Our website is relevantradio.com. You can also find it on the, the uh, Relevant Radio app. And I want to encourage you to stay tuned as Mass comes up next. And that's followed by The Faith Explained with Kale Clark. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. Have a blessed rest of your day.